Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. The world is full of unseen forces. Let me be your guide as we lift the veil and peer into the face of the unknown. This is the major as well, your one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey majors, welcome back to the show and thank you for tuning in. This week I've got a topic which was so bloody interesting to research, so buckle up. We have cave worship. Now caves have long been seen as sacred, symbolic of the womb of the great goddess. Wrongly thought to be the predominant home of prehistoric people, i.e. cavemen and cavewomen, it's now accepted that they lived outside the caves and travelled deep into their dark zones for ritualistic purposes. These caves weren't just a handy convenience, they were a highly ideologically charged place, layered with meaning and significance to the culture that operated in and around the area. And we know that for at least 20,000 years, our ancestors were using these places for ritualistic activity. 20,000 years, just take that in, this went on longer than any of the religions we have today. Mysterious places that burrow deep into the earth, formed from intricate geological processes. Caves have been the places of worship, sacredness, and sacrifice. They are often held in high regard as portals to a sacred realm, often the realm of the underworld, the dead, and the supernatural. These caves were often the site of many earth-based ancient religions, and had the effect of establishing and having a feeling of a closer connection to the land and the earth deities. But in some places, these could be spiritually dangerous, as they were seen as entrances to the underworld. This idea is particularly present with the ancient Mayans and many Irish tribes and societies. Within caves around Apulia, Italy, they also acted as a mortuary. They housed the dead and show evidence of elaborate funerary rites. 
also caves all over the world throughout all time. Bear wall art. This widespread idea of ancient galleries suggests that this tradition was passed down generationally and spread over huge distances. The artwork is usually very deep within the caves, and for our ancestors to have reached the spot to paint, it would have been a very dangerous undertaking, suggesting that this was done on purpose to get as deep as possible. But why? It's thought that perhaps they believed the deeper they got, the more access to the Earth's power they had. With regards to the actual artwork itself, it often depicts huge animals and hunting scenes, were these prehistoric painters drawing their prayers on walls deep within caves in order to manifest what the art depicted? Was this some sort of ancient manifesting ritual? The isolation from the world and the peace that these subterranean spaces provided quickly elevated their status as places of sacred religious, cultic behaviour and practices. Within mythology, heroes that venture into caves return transformed and are awarded talents, gifts and skills. They're places of initiation to monks, gurus and hermits. Caves were also the places of mediums, oracles and sibyls. And caves are particularly useful to archaeologists as well, as their environment is one that tends to preserve remains and objects over hundreds of thousands of years, generally speaking. And this makes me wonder if the ancients were aware of this preserving quality that they gave, and thus it added to this mysterious underworld nature of the caves, and with this idea of decay being slowed down and eternal life within the underworld. Now, cultures usually take one of two attitudes towards caves. Either it's too spiritually dangerous to work with, so they see it as the entrance to the underworld. The Aborigines took this view, and so do many African societies as well. Or, it's a very valuable portal into another world that can be utilised when necessary, as is the case with Western Europe. The ancient Mayan typically adopted a blend of the two views. They saw caves as a place of duality. Evil entities and disease-spreading gods resided there, as well as the deities who delivered the rain and helped grow the crops. A lot of ancient Mayan iconography depicts many weather features, such as clouds and mist, coming out of cave entrances. And this is somewhat legit. Archaeologists have found cave sites in Mesoamerica by studying mountainsides after heavy rains and watched mist coming out the mountain. Upon closer inspection, the mist emanates from a cave. Some cultures relate their origin stories back to caves, and this is the case with the Aztecs, as well as the Mayans. Now, they called this cave Chico Mozdoc, or Tolan Ziwu Yuwa, retrospectively. And within these caves, they had seven sections, and each section was responsible for creating a different ethnicity. Man made replicas of these caves with seven sections at key archaeological sites. The Lakota tribe of North America has a similar cave origin story. The ancient Mayans also saw caves with flowing water in them as the most sacred of all caves, as the waters were seen as pure and untouched. One of the mine sites called Dos Pilas is a cave complex called Cueva de Morcelego, or the Cave of the Bats. During heavy rains, the water gushes from the cave with such force that the sound can be heard over half a kilometre away.
It's thought that it was used to signal the rainy season and thus the fertility of the land being renewed. The cave is still in use today for rituals around this idea of fertility and life-giving waters. Personal items were, and still are, burnt or broken as a way of offering in Central America within caves. Now, they do this because the pieces could be salvaged and they can be used again in other rituals, or as a way to have a connection to the original ritual. Now, the idea also comes from an ancient Mayan creation myth, the Popol Vuh, where the heroes of the tale decide to show kindness to the underworld deities who had tried to trick them and kill them. The heroes decided to let these deities live, but their offerings by humans were limited and not very prestigious. Quote, Scabrous nodules of sap, just griddles, just gourds, just brittle things broken into pieces. In some caves where the ancient Mayans operated, they would travel up to three kilometres, nearly two miles, away from daylight to perform their cave activities. In palaces, open-mouthed earth monsters were carved around doorways, so it would look like the ruler was emerging from a cave every time they used the doorway, implying the ruler had supernatural abilities. Throughout the US, as well as Central and South America, it's been discovered that caves saw the practicing of human sacrifice, as well as animals. Now, structures within these caves have been found, temples and ceremonial buildings, and some have even suggested summer sweat lodges. In Western Europe's caves, it looks like many of them, especially those located in France, were used for shamanistic purposes. This has been deduced based on the fact that the caves show a very small number of people using it at one time. One particular cave bears a lot of heel prints in the ground, and archaeologists have concluded that people were actually dancing in there. Within the Cosca cave in France, the tops of stalagmites were discovered to have been broken in what is thought to be for medicine. Made from calcium carbonate, these stalagmites would have had some medicinal value once ground up and administered. This is actually the first form of a very specific type of medicine. Today, we use this mineral as an anti-acid and for bone health. These harvest stalagmites must have been revered for their potency the deeper into the cave they were. On the island of Malta, there's evidence to suggest that megalithic buildings on the surface were built to mimic conditions within a cave that some have suggested were alternative places to practice and perform rituals. Drenched in darkness and with only firelight to illuminate, they would have been deeply mysterious places. Along the Mediterranean coastlines from Lebanon to Gibraltar, ancient sailors would easily spot caves from the sea within the coastal landscape and make shrines in them to ensure safe passage, but also to act as markers on their mapless journeys. One of these caves, called S. Kularam, bears mention, as over 700 terracotta figurines were discovered. A lot of these figures depict a winged woman upon a throne, wearing lotuses and a headdress, bearing a caduceus in one of her hands, leading archaeologists to identify her as Tanit, the chief Carthaginian mother goddess. Other figures and items depict Persephone and Demeter. Some even suggest that rituals played a part in trying to manipulate or control the sea. Now, the pyramids of Egypt and Mesoamerica, from the Mayans, Aztecs, and the mysterious peoples of Teotihuacan, all built their pyramids with the idea of a mountain in mind, and beneath these artificial mountains, 
they incorporated caves, either natural or man-made. And even before Homo sapiens existed, caves were sacred. Cima de Huesos, or the Chasm of Bones, in Spain, contains the bones of around 28 hominids, dated to 430,000 and 600,000 years ago. Homo sapiens came on the scene 315,000 years ago, for context. Now what else is special about this site is a quartzite axe was discovered. This is a rare type of crystal that had been carried a very long distance, suggesting it was special. Archaeologists have thus named it Excalibur. They think it's of ritualistic importance and is argued to be the first instance of religious or sacred activity within the history of the earth. Throughout many caves within the Buddhist tradition, they are said to possess a ganas, which is similar to like a spiritual presence. The Barabar Caves, located a day's walk from the Bodhi Tree, where Buddha gained enlightenment under it, was the centre for hermits. With vaulted ceilings and polished walls to create an echo within to aid with the deepening and the prolonging of the chanting and mantras of the monks. When looking at what caves do to us on a psychological level, there's a lot going on. Caves take us from the land, away from the natural light. They confine and sometimes restrict us, transforming our views of reality. They're 3D. They're difficult to understand, and they can be very difficult to navigate, as there's no point of reference to orientate yourself. It's also difficult to tell which cardinal direction you're travelling in. They can also be quite strenuous to travel through them. There's feelings of claustrophobia and isolation, and time can easily pass, and the traveller is none the wiser. We've also got the stillness in the air in caves, and noise, if there's any, is distorted and unfamiliar. Now, there's a level of sensory deprivation in relation to caves with their perpetual darkness. The darkness of caves interferes with the human psyche and can help induce an altered state of consciousness. Not only does this affect how we think about the world and our surroundings, but also how we interpret it. Now, this idea of sensory deprivation in relation to caves, it happens within three stages. The stage one occurs around 15 minutes. Without light, we start to enter a light hallucination, and we may begin to see geometric patterns which vibrate. Meditative and reflective states are induced. Stage two is entered when the person's brain recreates images of everyday normal images within their memory. Stage three, vivid and complex hallucinations occur, Now the visions had in stage 1 and 2, i.e. the geometric and then the everyday images or memories can blur, they can actually merge. And based on this, I'm wondering if the animals that were painted on the walls helped with this process or directed the boundaries of the hallucinations that these ancient peoples were trying to induce. For example, a shaman paints animals on the walls to use as a focal point to bring about and to guide visions and hallucinations around these animals. Now perhaps it's to locate them and hunt them and to also feed the people he's guiding. That would be a very useful skill to have and would help ensure the survival of the tribe or the peoples that are bound together. In this final stage, there's also reports of people traveling down a tunnel within their mind. 
If you're not familiar with shamanism, I mean, I do want to cover this, but it's a huge topic and I only know the tip of the iceberg. This idea of seeing tunnels and traveling down them is how journeys into the other worlds begin. And it's actually a key component of shamanism. And this also got me thinking about near-death experiences, where people have reported seeing a light at the end of a tunnel. Some say this is the result of the eyes shutting down, surges of chemicals in the brain, and therefore the eyes react differently, thus triggering these visions. Some say otherwise. But I believe in genetic memory, and the idea that memories can be passed down through bloodlines. It would make sense to me on a fight-or-flight survival mode level. And I'm wondering if these experiences of travelling down tunnels and seeing the light whilst near death has something to do with these ancient shamans having done some sort of ritual in caves and re-emerging. It was so powerful and vivid that it's lurking in our DNA, waiting to surface when we're open to the opportunity. Were they doing some sort of initiation, perhaps with the members of the society, based on this idea of death, rebirth and renewal? that in the modern day, we're re-witnessing due to near-death experiences. It certainly made me wonder. Another point about shamans is that in order to do the work that they need to do, they have to enter an alternative state of consciousness. Now this can be difficult and it requires training. However, a huge trigger to achieving these alternative states is sensory deprivation. Now, there is no doubt in my mind that these shamanistic societies would have taken advantage of caves for their unique qualities in order to perform rituals and enter different states of being. If ancient peoples decided to illuminate the cave space, the amount of light would have been limited to fire, and further limited by the burning of oils and incense. The billowing smoke within a dimly lit space would have added to the hallucinations. This combined with the echoes within caves, which were actually thought to be the supernatural by many cultures around the world, and were explained as the voices of spirits answering the questions of humans. This is a potent backdrop for communing with the supernatural. I mentioned it back in the altar episode, but Holly Moyes, who is essentially a cave archaeologist, she did a small study, and she actually discovered that in low-light conditions, people were more likely to be open to the supernatural. She's done a TED Talk, which I absolutely love, and she's written a book called Sacred Darkness that I would recommend for you if you are interested in this sort of stuff. Now, it also reminded me of experiments that were conducted in caves in the 70s that were done to see how people reacted. They were guided in with a companion and then left in total darkness and without a method to tell the time. The participants were naturally apprehensive at first, and I mean, who could blame them? I would be terrified. Some of the spiders that have come from deep caves are vile. Also, I'm not too sure how ethical these tests were. I mean, a dark, dank cave is hardly a safe and controlled environment. However, the results are fascinating. After a few hours, the cave testers were calm. They reported seeing geometric patterns and memories from years ago being triggered from the cave soundscape of dripping water and from the noise of them walking around in the dark. Now after a day, it starts to get interesting, because the testers were assigning unexplained happenings in the caves, such as noises and temperature changes, and their states of mind to the supernatural. 
once their companions returned to guide them from the cave, an adjustment period was needed to re-emerge into the light and to begin normal conversations. Now what I've just spoken about in terms of the environmental factors of caves, this would have made them highly undesirable to live in, but to practice rituals and magic, it's the perfect training ground. It's highly likely that ancient peoples were using caves to explore visionary experiences. And if you combine this with the idea that these ancient peoples were combining this environment with bloodletting and psychoactive drugs, you've got a really interesting backdrop for the magical to take place. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path. I also want to connect you to information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors Well community, as well as being in the communal sugarpot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you'd wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, also, thank you to Olaf Six, Beautifully Executed, Rue EAB, and Aim Makers for the lovely reviews. I love reading what you guys think. And also to Karyle, Shirley and Andrew Ferris, Ruth Bannister, and Mary Watson for joining my Patreon. I've been meaning to read out your names for ages, and I've finally remembered to do so. So thank you so much, guys. The poem this week is called The Cave by Paul Tram. Someone standing at the mouth had the idea to enter, to go further, than light or language could go. As they followed the idea, light and language followed, like two wolves panting, hearing themselves panting. A shapeless scent in the damp air. Keep going, the idea said. Someone kept going, deeper and deeper. They saw others had been there. Others had left, objects that couldn't have found their way there alone. Ochre-stained shells, bird bones, grounded hematite on the walls. As if stepping into history, someone saw their purpose. Cows, bulls, bison, deer, horses, some pregnant, some slaughtered. The wild, life seemed wild and alive, moving. When someone moved, casting their shadows, on the shadows stretching in every direction. Keep going, the idea said again. Go. Someone continued. They followed the idea so far inside that outside was another idea. Peace out, witches. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.